0: So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. I know some of y'all are excited about Romans. We'll get back to that next week. Okay, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. we we'll read the whole thing uh, to the end of the chapter. If you need a Bible, there's some at that welcome table. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, that is your Bible now. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. If you got it, say, I got it. If you want me to wait, say, wait. Okay, you look at y'all, y'all quick, okay. All right, Ephesians 2.11, it says, So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility In his flesh he made of no effect the law. Consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access And one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask that you would help us to understand your word. Lord God, would you uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see? Would you help us not only to understand what is written in your word, but would you help us to obey it? Lord God, we need your help for that. We need your power for that. So please, in your grace, grant that to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you close that door. Thank you. All right. So, so when I was in high school, many people wanted to be in the popular group. You, you know, I mean, I feel like everybody had one of them, right? In your little school, you had a group of people that was the popular group. They had, you know, the clout. I don't know what it was about that popular group, but people just really, really wanted to be in that group. And what's interesting is as as people get older and as you look at the world, you see that phenomenon being repeated over and over again, how there are particular groups of people that are separated and sometimes they have anger and frustration against one another. And Then you look on the global scale and that anger and frustration turns into violence and we see these divisions that are proliferated across our world. And the question that I want to ask today is how does God feel about these divisions, and what has he done about it? How does God feel about these divisions that exist in our world on a very small scale, all the way to a mass scale with a lots of repercussions and consequences? How does he feel about these divisions, and what has he done about it? And we're going to learn today that God creates a new humanity in Christ. To experience the benefits of belonging to him. These benefits include peace, hope, and access to God. See, in verse 11, we, we see that there's a description of this division and exclusion among the peoples. Verse 11 says, it says, so then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope, without God in the world. You see that verse 11, it, it talks about this, this fundamental division in the world. And, and, and all the divisions in the world come from this kind of statement. You don't meet my standards. Now, the standards change. But one group says to another, you don't meet my standards. And the Jews, what they did is they used legalism and, and, and heritage to put the Gentiles down. This idea of uncircumcised, that was a derogatory term. It was a name thrown at the Gentiles. And see, here's the deal. This is repeated among all. Where you go, you will find putting one another down because of arbitrary standards. This is self-evident. We're often angry with people who think and act differently than us. And here's the interesting thing. This, this legalism, this frustration, this, this works from both those who are conservative and those who would be named progressive. One of the best examples is the whole conversation about masks and vaccines. Y'all didn't didn't seen that. Now listen, people have a lot of different opinions, but listen, what happens is people look at others on the other side of their opinion and they begin to demonize them, right? They say, well, you don't care about people and you want to kill people. And they'll say, well, you're just a sheep. Listen, listen, it's it's not simply, it's not about that they have a different opinion, but it is the attitude with which they hold that opinion. That they're using this opinion to not only say I disagree with you, but to demonize the other side. And we see this repeated over and over again. And it almost doesn't matter what it is. We just see it over and over again. And the most arbitrary things, people put a stake in the ground and they say, you are fundamentally less smart, not as intelligent, less moral than me because you have a difference from me. We see this repeated. And what's interesting is the Bible is very clear about some things that divide people. In Galatians 3.28, is talking about, uh, it says there's no Jew or Greek, slave or f- free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ. What it's talking about, it's talking about these things that have divided people that Jesus has come to address. The first one, it says that the, the, the nationality, our, our, our ethnicity is something that divides people. That's the Jew and Greek thing. And have we not seen that? Do we not see examples of that? That the melanin content of your skin is a reason to, to divide and hate and call names. And, and not only that, we see this from, from the, the rhetoric that we use towards different nationalities. Where someone said down south is, is where the rapists come from. We you, Listen, this isn't for play. This is real. And it happens. Another thing that people divide about is, is about social class. This whole Slave and free. So we think, well, the CEO must be better than the one who makes minimum wage. Or the CEO probably did something bad to get... The, listen, we have all of these, these thoughts and negative opinions about folks that are not exactly like us. It even says it gets so fundamental to that of gender. So there's no male and female. I know you up there, well, all men are like this. Our women are like that? You know, just... These fundamental things that exist, these differences that exist, where they're supposed to illustrate the creativity of God and the goodness of God. We use these things to divide against one another. And not only that, in in, in verse verse 12, it talks about how, how people are excluded from God. So there's divisions amongst people and there are people who have been excluded for God. God, It says to be without Christ is in connection with God is to be outside of the people of God. And here's an interesting thing. This is true even of the ethnic Jews in the scriptures. To be outside of Christ is to be outside of the community that has access to God. You're like, well, why would I want to be inside of this community that God loves? Well, it says something about that they are citizens, that they have this citizenship in heaven. Listen, with citizenship comes some protection and some rights and some benefits. Yeah. Would you not want to be in the country, if you will, that God is the king and he decides that he's going to protect his own? That there's benefits from from being in his group. Not only that, it says that that without being in the people of God, that you are not recipients of any of the promises of God. God had this, this promise to bless his people. Without this inclusion in God's people, you don't have access to those promises. And then he ends, it says, without hope in the world. God is near his people. Without being included in his community, you do not have access to God. What's so interesting about this verse is a lot of times when salvation is discussed, it's very much like you and Jesus thing, Right? You trust in Jesus and you and Jesus are good. But in Ephesians chapter 2, it has this this expectation that you don't get saved to be all by yourself. You don't come to Jesus and so you and Jesus in the corner can be all happy. No, no. There is this expectation that there is a community with which Jesus has blessed. And you get access to the blessings of Jesus in the context of that community called the church. See, there's these, these aspects of our faith that do not make sense without the church. Over 50 times in the New Testament, there's what I will call one another's. Love one another, forgive one another, be gentle with one another, be patient with one another, teach one another, correct one another. Listen, it is impossible to do those things by yourself. And what what I see, like, it's really interesting. There are a lot of critics of the faith, and sometimes their criticisms are right and legit. But what's what's interesting is you can have a, 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 a favorable view of yourself if you live in isolation. Right? You're like, you're like, I'm really good. Well, you ain't had to talk to nobody. I'd be good too. You know, like, like you know what I'm saying? Like you can have an inflated view of yourself if you don't actually have to put into practice the principles that Jesus said. So you can be all about, well, forgiving one another. Well, you ain't forgiving nobody because you don't hang out with nobody. But Jesus gives us this community with which to act these principles out. And that we can experience the blessings of forgiveness and encouragement, the blessings of prayer, the, the, the blessings of when you're down, somebody's going to support you. We get that within the confines of the church and the community that Jesus has made. Now, what's interesting is, is in verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near. By the blood of Jesus. See, this this exclusion from the people of God is not just because God is randomly exclusive. It's because we have been deceived and we have sinned and we cut ourselves off from the community of God. See, we sought the benefits and hope from sources other than God. That is what is fundamental with the first sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, they said, I don't believe that God is for me. So I need to go outside of what he said in order to ensure that I can get what I want. And that is fundamentally what sin is. That the boundaries with which God set actually aren't good for me. Therefore, I need to go outside of those boundaries to get what is going to make me happy or satisfied or, or blessed or whatever it is. But the reality is when we do that, we are declaring war against the God who made us and said, I will protect you and I will love you. And not only will we alienate it from him, but sin also divides us from one another. We see this double alienation. That's why the word reconcile is so important to me, because then sometimes in the scripture, the reconciliation is between us and God. And other times in the scripture, the reconciliation is between the folks who differ from one another. Jesus has come to solve both of those problems. And what's beautiful is from the divided and excluded mass of humanity, Christ brings people near through his blood. Christ dies in our place because we were deceived and our sin needed to be dealt with. His blood was shed in our place so that we could be brought near to him and included among the people that belong to him. He deals with that sin that excludes us from the rights and the promises of the people of God. He restores us into citizenship with his own blood. Now, I've never been through a citizenship process, but it does cost some money. It does cost you something. But beloved, the the, the, the the price for the citizenship of heaven is too much that we could pay. But Christ shed his blood so that we could be included among his people. He goes and gets the rebels that were against him. The ones who betrayed him. The ones who said, you actually can't provide for me. I got to go look for it somewhere else. He goes and gets those people and says, actually, not, not only do I forgive you, I want to give you all the rights. I give you. I want to give you citizenship. I want to give you the promises. I want to give you the eternal life. I want to give you everything that you rejected, and I gladly give it to you. And we see in verse 14 that Christ, what he does is he actually makes a new humanity. <clears throat> verse 14, it says, for he, Christ, is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consistent of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might in himself create one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that that he might reconcile both to God and one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. See, God deals with the division and the the exclusion of humanity by making a new humanity, a new group. See, God desires a unified human family. So in Christ, he makes everyone new and he gives them a new identifier that supersedes every other. Here's what I mean. I'm not saying that the things that make you you are unimportant, right? I'm not saying that your race, your ethnicity, your, your gender, where, where, you know, where you work. I'm not saying none of that's important, but none of that gets you into heaven. None of that reconciles you to God. That you can't wear that as a badge of honor, nor is it a badge of shame. N- n- none of those descriptions that, that are true about you, that, I, that have importance. And hear me saying, I know that it's not that they don't matter. They have importance, but they do not get you into the family of God. And what I love is he, sees, he says that this, this atonement is the key to forgiveness, for reconciliation, and for unity. In other words, we can forgive one another because we all need forgiveness. And Christ paid for each of our sins on the cross. See, listen, when we look at the cross, we need to see the gravity of sin. So when, when you sin against somebody, and then you say, well, get over it, you're not fundamentally remember what, what, it, what sin costs. When you see the son of God nailed to a cross, bleeding, gasping for air, then you know that your sin is not something that you can just get over it, that your sin actually has effects so much so that it caused the son of God to die on a cross. Beloved, we understand the gravity of our offenses towards one another when we understand that our sin fundamentally offends God. And that the blood of Jesus had to be shed so that we could get forgiveness. But not only that, we see that our sins and the sins of others have been dealt with, have been paid for, have been accounted for. See, when you're hurt, when someone offends you, when someone sins against you, in your heart, you go, they, they need to make it up somehow. Like they need to do something. Like they, It like they, they, they feels like they took something away from you, so something needs to be given back to you. But when you are in Christ, you realize that the debt that they owed was paid for by Christ Jesus. That's what, that's what gives us the ability to forgive. See, forgiveness is not saying, oh, it doesn't matter, and it's not a big deal. That's not what it's saying. Forgiveness is saying it was a huge deal. You offended me, and you offended God. But God In the flesh has dealt with it. And that same God in the flesh has dealt with my sin. Therefore, I can forgive you. Therefore, the things that that divide us, the things that, that could cause us to turn away from one another, those things can be crossed over because Christ has dealt with the hostility on the cross. See, Christ brings unity because, get this, inclusion in the community is not based On the requirements that we fulfill. So when I was reading the scriptures in verse 13, when I said he made of no effect the laws consisting of commands and expressing regulations, some of y'all were like, huh, what what is going on here? The fact of the matter is no one can meet the standards of inclusion. That's the laws and the regulations. No one can meet the standards of inclusion. That means no one is better than another because inclusion in God's community is not based on your quality of life or any other characteristic, but rather on Christ's life, death, and resurrection. So those who feel pride, you feeling good about yourself for whatever reason, that don't get you in. That's not what got you included in the people of God. And for those of you who might feel shame, love that shame doesn't keep you away from God because Christ endured that shame on the cross. The cross is the great equalizer. Because we are all in need, no matter our composition and our makeup, we are all in need. And our need gets met in Christ. Now, when I look at the divisions that exist among the world, and I think, man, there needs to be like a miracle to make this thing happen. Well, guess what? Connection to God is the key to the new humanity. In verse 16, it says he did this so that he might reconcile both to God and one body through the cross by which he put hostility to death. See, the reconciliation to God is the source and the power of this supernatural unity. Beloved, if it was not for him and for his work, it wouldn't happen. But because we have been connected to him, because he is a constant source of our strength and our encouragement, we can endure and say, you know what? Christ bought this new humanity made up of every nationality, ethnicity, of of, of each gender, of of every type of social class. He made this type of people. And it's kind of hard because we come from different backgrounds and we don't always understand why we do every other thing that we do. But here's the deal. Because we all have been connected to God, he can give us power to endure. He can give us power to listen. He can give us power to be humble so that we can go and pursue one another, even though we might be different than one another. It goes on to say in verse 17 that that we we get the benefits of belonging to God's people. In verse 17, it says, He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself. As the cornerstone. It says that Christ, he gives us access to God. That's, listen, the, 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 the uniqueness about Israel among all the other nations of the Old Testament was not because they were better. Y'all can just read the Old Testament. Were they better? No, nah, they was tripping, okay? They was tripping a lot. So the, 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 the that wasn't the difference. The difference was that God was with them. The difference was that in Israel, you could find a temple where God dwelt. And so, the, so, listen, the part of being included in God's people is not that we say we're better than anybody else, but because of his grace, we have access to his presence. See, Christ gives us all the Holy Spirit, so we all have access. Listen, no one is offered more access than someone else. You don't get more rights to, to be near to God. No, that is all based on the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And not only that, he says that Christ makes us fellow citizens of the saints in other words we belong to the same kingdom and in that kingdom there's justice and righteousness and in that kingdom it lasts forever what this means is it's more important than your nation america going in y'all but jesus kingdom's not all right the ju- justice and righteousness don't always reign but in jesus kingdom it will and not only that Christ brings us into the same household. That's another way of saying we family. Christ brings us in the same family. We all have the same father. And guess what? His family is eternal. Your family is not. So so the brothers and sisters that you have in Christ, that remains forever. And all of this is available Because of the revelation of Christ contained in the scriptures, you know, when he says built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, what is he talking about? He's saying that we have the gospels and the teachings of the scripture, that this kingdom and this family is built on that, that the scriptures are our constitution and the scriptures are our way of life. And we go back to the text and we say that has more authority than any other authority in our lives. And that when when any authority says something contrary to the scripture, we say what? No. Because our king is above that. Our kingdom lasts forever. Our family is eternal. We learn in verse 21 that God intends to extend his blessing through the church. Look at verse 21. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. In other words... God keeps adding more diverse people to this family. Right now, right now, there are churches all over the world that are growing. There are churches in Europe, Africa, Asia, South America. All these these churches are attracting different types of people who have different lives than all of us, who look different than all of us. But, beloved, we belong to the same building. We are in the same family. We belong to the same nation. God is doing that around the world, and God is doing that right here. Even in this room, there are very different kinds of people. Come from different places that have different expectations, but beloved, Jesus draws us together. And our unity in Jesus has to supersede any other identifier we would have. And what I love, we have this promise, the church. Listen, the church is is the place where God builds us up together. In verse 22, it says, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. You ever been frustrated with a church member before? Oh, don't raise your hand. You're like, nice over there. <laughs> Here's the deal. Who Who is the one who composes the church? Who builds the church? Jesus. Jesus is the one who builds the church. And you mounted that brick by you. Jesus put that brick there. He's the one that laid that foundation. So a lot of times we get frustrated at the folks that Jesus is the one and that we would forgive one another and that we would pray for one another, even when that person isn't your favorite person in the world. Because I don't know, sometimes you'd be tripping and Jesus still like you. Yeah. yeah that's right. The church is the place where God dwells. It says it's the temple. It's, it's where he dwells by the spirit. Like, you're like, where is God? He's with his people. Where is he at? I want to find him. I'll go anywhere. He's with his people. You want to encounter God, get with his people. Now, what are we to do with this this new humanity, this 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 new unity that is based in Christ? Now, we're gonna can, we, can you put your thinking cap on for a minute? do not you put your thinking cap on? All right, I'm gonna to talk to you about something called that I call the hierarchy of belonging. That's fancy. You ain't read that before, okay? We live in an age of identity crisis, an age of identity politics, and everybody's like, "To which group do you belong?" Yeah, have you seen this? How do you classify yourself? Which group? How, what is the subgroup you belong to? And do you have groups right? Which one matters the most? Listen, the top identifier that we should have is that we belong to Christ and his people. That's the top identifier. Now, again, that does not erase our identifier. It doesn't erase your gender. It doesn't erase your ethnicity. It doesn't erase your, where you were at in a social life. It doesn't erase all of that. But the one that matters the most is the one that connects me to the Father. And our belonging to Christ, get this, it has to add value to those whose identifiers we do not share. Whoever the people are to you. I don't know that is. Those people, among those people, are people for whom Christ died. Among the people that are different than you are people for whom Christ died. So even if you don't belong to that group and you don't have the same social identifier, Christ's blood adds value to them. Belonging to listen, and this is what was so interesting about the New Testament church. One, of, and if you read some of the historical writings about the New Testament church, one of the things that stood out was how they treated the other. See, in, in the Roman Empire, women did not have a lot of rights, In the Roman Empire slaves did not have a lot of rights. And so, when the Romans and the and the senators, when they were writing about the church, they would make fun of them because they look how much they value women. They would make fun of the they let their, their women speak. They, they would make fun of them and say, Well, slaves have power. They, they would up the up into the whole social order because they did not count on the existing social order to constitute how they relate to one another. And, beloved, it shows the, the, the truth of his kingdom, the, the lastingness of his kingdom, that in the church, people should be a little bit confused when they look at it. Like, I didn't know they hung out with each other, maybe not out there, but in here. Because our identifier is Christ and His blood. You know we have this this mission that, that we could talk. We say in our church we exist to preach the gospel, produce disciples, and pursue justice. I want to talk about this pursue justice in a minute. What, what am I talking about when I say that? One of the ways that we pursue justice is that we serve people, that we serve everyone, including those outside of our groups. Yeah. We don't don't base who we serve based on how they look like us or if we identify the same way or if we have the same thoughts about politics or whatever. No, 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 no. We serve because Christ served us. Another way that that we can pursue justice is through this, this idea of advocacy. Listen, listen, the world expects you only to speak up for people who are like you. That's what the world expects. Defend your people, whatever your block is. No, but in Christ, we speak up for everyone, including those who are outside of our group. So listen, in, in this community, we have black, white, and Hispanic, and some other. And, I, and as I walk the streets, I see there's sometimes this, this tension. There's, there's sometimes this division. But beloved, in Christ, we would say, I care about what affects y'all, y'all, and y'all. Not just about what affects me. We pursue justice by being faithful and the vocation, and the callings that he has given us. And we don't show favoritism in any avenue of service in our life. Beloved, this is what it means to have a new humanity in Christ. This is what it means to signify that Jesus' kingdom will last forever. This upside-down kingdom that abolishes everything that would, would divide people, this one will last forever because that is the place where righteousness and justiceness. Dwells. And so we can praise God, the Father who created a new community in Christ that is built up and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you that you have included us in your people, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Lord, they can be saved and included in your people and benefit from the blessings that you give your people. Lord, I pray that you would help our church to be a sign and a symbol of the coming kingdom. Lord, where what matters the most is you, and where we love one another and serve one one another, no matter how different we may be. It's in Jesus' name, amen.